everybody, I'm Connor, this is Doug, and welcome to This Pod Really Ties the Room Together, a podcast that explores the philosophical, cultural, and metaphysical importance of the 1998 cult classic film The Big Lebowski. In this episode, we'll examine the film's ever-present Socratic irony and the dude's stoic desire to face adversity with calm equanimity. We'll also take a deep dive into the Dudism religion and its nearly 500,000 Dudist priests around the world. We'll round out the episode by tackling the thorny question of Jeff Lebowski's preferred nomenclature. Is it his dudeness, the duder, or El Duderino if you're not into that whole brevity thing? Finally, we'll head over Connor, to the- Connor, Connor, like Donnie, you're out of your element. And as much as I'd like to abide, we just can't do that podcast. Well, you know, that's just like your opinion, man. Nevertheless, this is The Bethel School District Presents, a podcast about the Bethel School District, and we have a great show for you today. In fact, Connor's heading over to Graham Kapowson High School to sit down with two of our JROTC cadets to see how that experience has changed their high school careers for the better. But first, next week, we're also going to be hearing from some students. In fact, students at Liberty Middle School have recorded their very own podcast, and we'll be releasing it as part of our podcast feed next Wednesday. That's February 1st. I actually got to listen in as they recorded their pod, and let me tell you, this is a very well-spoken group of young men and women. They had some laughs along the way, but also got serious and talked about a lot of things, including what it was like to start middle school during the pandemic. It definitely affected how my work went and how my mental health was because I was just constantly stuck in my room. And when, like, during the colder months when we were in sixth grade and in middle school and it was still new because we were so used to elementary schedule, it was harder because I couldn't get out every day. And, I mean, we were in lockdown, so we didn't go out normally. Again, that Liberty Middle School special podcast will be out next Wednesday. But right now, Connor's at Graham Kapowson High School with two of our students. I am joined today by Graham Kapowson High School students Michael Sams Jr. and Alama Shazad, both of whom take part in their school's JROTC program. Alama is actually the program's battalion commander and Michael is deputy command officer. Very impressive stuff, guys. So, Michael, how did you get involved with JROTC? In middle school, my next door neighbor, he was in the JROTC. He'd always show me these rifle tricks and stuff like that, his uniform. And I was like, okay, that's cool. And my career path that I wanted as a kid, and kind of still now, I, uh, I want to be in the Army. In some way, shape, or form, I just want to be in it. It's a perfect opportunity to do so. <laughs> so, Alima, were there things that surprised you about the program once you got into it, or has it been pretty much what you thought it would be? I definitely was surprised. I didn't really realize how much was actually a part of JRTC until I joined it. Like, I knew about drill and I knew about color guard, but there's so many more other teams that I didn't know about. And I also didn't realize, like, all the opportunities that JRTC gave you, whether it was, like, community service or being a part of the school in general and helping out with the school. I didn't even realize, like, that was a part of it and part of the program. So I was definitely surprised. Michael, can you just walk us through what a standard day is like for a JROTC student? What are some of the differences between you guys and just the regular non-JROTC students? It's a regular class as usual. There's a lesson format. The instructors follow it. They add in their own things, their own experiences. It's really a, a class about how to be you know, a better citizen, how to improve yourself overall uh, throughout your life. What are some of the things when you're thinking back on your career in JROTC that you learned maybe other than the kind of military part of it, but just some life lessons that you've learned? I've definitely learned a lot more life skills. 
at first I didn't really realize it until I was working. I work at Dairy Queen, so and I'm also a manager at Dairy Queen. And, you know, at first it was kind of a little rough because, like, I'm a lot younger than a lot of the people that work there, right? And so it was kind of difficult, like, how am I going to manage all these people? How am I going to work the floor? How am I going to make sure that I'm getting all these orders out and doing exactly what I'm supposed to do? Some of the curriculum units and lessons that we have in JRTC is, like, professional development and just leadership skills in general and continuous improvement and how to work through those. And I think those really built some of the main skills and values that I have today, whether it's like time management and making sure that I'm on time, making sure that I'm doing what I'm supposed to do and keeping that discipline. So those are some of the skills that I know for sure that I've used. And and I know that, you know, all three of our comprehensive high schools have JROTC programs. Is there any sort of kind of competitiveness between the different schools? I'm sure there are a lot of events, district-wide events, where, you know, you're kind of intermingling. Is there a competitive or is it more of kind of a bond? It's both. With, the with like, the real military, you know, obviously Navy's going to bash Army and Army's going to bash Navy or Marine's going to bash Air Force and Air Force back and forth just like that. But we're all still working for one big goal, which is, in our case, the overall motto for our program is to make younger people become better citizens, right? So we're all still friends. In Bethel, I have a few friends there, and whenever we get together and stuff like that, uh, we always, like, you know, joke around, like, hey, our uniform's better, or hey, like, who plays first in the last roll meet? Oh, yeah, that's what, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. But we're still buddies, you know, we still understand, like, hey, what we're getting out of this program benefits us more than possibly any other class, you know, and it's not just all military. We learn so much more than that, just military in general. So It sounds like there's a bunch of different facets to being involved in this program. You've talked about drill meets and color guard, things like that, classroom lessons. What's been your favorite part of the whole thing, Michael? Oh, man. Um, <laughs> there's a ton. So I'm the armed drill captain. All I'm the unarmed drill captain. I'm second command, deputy command officer. All I'm my superior, which is the battalion commander. But we're just, my favorite part, I'd say, I don't know, just being in the program in general. It's one big, we like to call it one big family. And what about you, Alma? What's been your favorite part about this experience? Mine would kind of go along with Michael's, but I also really like knowing that you're a part of something that is making a change, making a difference, making an impact in kids' lives on the daily, helping kids grow and learn more than what they thought they could be. I appreciate you both so much for joining us, and thanks for sharing your experiences. Uh, Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I appreciate it. It's always great to hear from our students. Connor, thanks for that interview with our JROTC students. I'm sitting here with Dr. David Hammond. He's in his 10th year as our assistant superintendent for elementary schools, and in that role, he oversees all of our elementary schools, including Elk Plain K-8 School of Choice. Now, recently, we had Principal Melissa Munson-Merritt on the show to talk about her staff at Camas Prairie Elementary and the big award they just brought home, the ESEA National Distinguished School Award. So my first question for you is, what is the staff at Camas Prairie doing right over there, and what can other schools take away from it? Well, they're taking the road less traveled, is how I would put it. There's a, a willingness and a desire to innovate among the staff. Melissa is really good at embracing that and encouraging that. I'm constantly in awe of the creativity that I see that goes into solving problems over there, as well as other schools. Our principals try new things, and if it doesn't work, they try different things. They're really good at working with staff and building leadership teams 
to come up with solutions that are best for their school community. I've been impressed with the collaboration between teachers and their PLTs. We have some of the highest functioning PLTs in the state of Washington in this district, and I think Camas Prairie is right in line with that in the work that they are doing and looking at student data and working to improve the achievement and well-being of, of students. They're just not satisfied with the status quo. They're always eager to work and willing to put in the extra effort to make sure that they're giving the best to their students. And you mentioned PLTs, those are professional learning teams. They used to be called PLCs, professional learning communities, I believe. And that's where teachers get together at their grade levels. And, and what, what's that work kind of look like? Basically, just to distill it down, they're just looking at where they are, uh, where they need to go. They're looking at student achievement data and analyzing that and having really good high-level conversations around what kids are doing and what changes need to be made to increase student achievement. So Camas Prairie Elementary is just one school success story. I know you hear about great things going on in our schools every single day. And behind every success, there's a lot of behind-the-scenes work. What's going on behind the curtain that you want the community to know about? Well, the, the biggest thing is we continue to do more with less, and our community should be really proud of that. We are receiving less funding from the state than our neighboring districts are receiving, yet we're, we're turning out a product and we have a level of service to our students that we are really proud of and that is at that level of other districts and in some cases beyond that level of other districts. And that's a credit to every adult that works here to support the students that we have in our district. We're making excellent progress on our bond projects in a time where the economy is blowing up and we're seeing prices go up and we're having to make constant adjustments. And throughout the life of a bond, you may have to make a couple of adjustments based on economy and prices and whatnot. And we've had to battle pandemic and challenges with the economy that are unprecedented. And we're still moving forward. The product that we're putting out and the schools that we're building are absolutely amazing. And a big thank you to our voters who passed that bond back in February of 2019. And just as you were talking, I was thinking a lot of these schools are coming online under you. We had Catherine G. Johnson Elementary come online. The new Natchez Trail Elementary is being built right now. And elementary number 19 that will be located in Lapoma Firs is going to be online in the next couple of years. As these schools are coming online, what does that look like for you in, in your work? Well, high level of stress. And, and it's one of those situations, be careful what you wish for, because when we were running the bond, we knew that we had the need at the elementary level. I was excited. Once it started, there's a lot of work involved. One of the uh, huge hurdles that we had to overcome was we had a situation with Katherine Johnson where we weren't ready to open on time, and that really threw a wrench into things. And we had kids without a building and had to make some adjustments. And that was one of the biggest accomplishments and triumphs that we've had in this district. Everybody came together, all staff, teachers, parents. We had to cram kids into two different schools. We had teachers that said that they would park off site and walk or take a shuttle to their work site at Clover Creek. They just did what needed to be done. So, you know, we can overcome anything in this district and, and we're building some, some beautiful schools and those elementary schools are gonna be online here in the next few years and we've got Evergreen that's going to undergo a remodel, which I'm really excited about because that community is really deserving of a new remodeled school. So that's exciting too. They really do. You've been assistant superintendent here for 10 years. What actually got you into education in the first place, and how did all of that lead you here? 
Well, I was destined to be an educator, I guess, even though I fought it in my early years of college. I wanted to be a business major, and I did have a little bit of a passion for law, but both my parents were educators. My dad was a fifth grade teacher, and then he was a a principal and then a district office person. My mother was a fourth grade teacher, and she was actually a teacher in my elementary school, which was really nice. I look back on that time, and it was great having my mom in the school. So they were teachers. Both of my grandma and my grandmother were teachers, and my sister's a teacher. So I started coaching baseball when I was in college, and I would coach high school players at the high school that I was at prior to going to college, and just had a passion for teaching and realized it and decided that I would stop fighting it and go into it and absolutely have loved that decision and started out as an English teacher in the high school setting and got my administrative degree and was a principal at Curtis High School for seven years prior to coming to Bethel at the elementary level and it was a really good change for me because I came into this position not knowing everything, in fact not knowing pretty much anything uh, because I was a high school person and I learned and was able to embrace and I also brought some innovations in that you know, maybe we're a little bit out of the box thinking as far as what we would normally do in elementary schools. And I think that was a good piece to bring in. It's been a really good transition. I absolutely love it here. Bethel's a great place to be. I can't disagree with you on that. I love working for Bethel. What is something that you learned early on in your career that that still resonates with you today? Transparency. Sometimes the truth can be ugly. Sometimes it can be scary. Sometimes it can be good and a celebration. But regardless, it's something that people need to know. And if you carry yourself like that and you don't play games, people will appreciate that. And I think that, you know, I've carried myself in that way. And I I learned that early on and it was a good lesson for me. That's a great early lesson to learn. And speaking of transparency, let's get to a couple of personal questions here. A quick Google search of your name actually brings up a surprising number of David Hammonds. One's an actor, another's a director, one's a lecturer, another is working in a pharmacy school. There's a masculinity coach named David Hammond. There's also a worship quartet called David Hammond and the Chosen Disciples. So my question for you is if you weren't David Hammond, assistant superintendent, what job would you be doing? Oh, wow. Yeah, I wouldn't be in the quartet, that's for sure. You know, my, my other passion is flying. I would be a pilot. I think in, a, in another life, I would have gone maybe the military route, gone to flight school. I did get my pilot's license. I lived in New York for three years while my wife was going to law school and had the opportunity to get my pilot's license back there. And I love flying, even though I haven't gone in, in a while. It's just a, an absolute passion of mine. So I think I would have pursued that and gone down that, that long road to probably become a commercial air, airline pilot. Very interesting. I wouldn't have guessed that. That's actually two people we've had on the podcast that have their pilot's license. And if you know who the other one is, I want you to email communications at BethelSD.org, and I've got a Starbucks card for you. Now, final question, David. I happen to know you're a big Seinfeld fan. I am as well. So which Seinfeld character do you most identify with and why? you got to be careful with that one. Um, David Putty. I think David uh-huh. Putty, and, and I'm reminded of the time that David Putty was flying back from Norway or someplace with Elaine. He was on the plane and he was just sitting there minding his own business, just staring off into space. And it was bothering Elaine so much because he was not doing anything or saying anything. You know, I'm a little like Putty in that I'm no nonsense. And, you know, sometimes I just sit and I don't need to be entertained. And I'm just thinking and staring off. And sometimes my wife doesn't necessarily appreciate that. (laughs) 
I love it. Well, I hope to see you at a Kraken game soon with your face painted because you know what? Got to support the team. Got to support the team. <laughs> Dr. David Hammond, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you very much. And that's going to be our show this week. Connor, you heard me ask Dr. Hammond which Seinfeld character he most identifies with. I, I wasn't going to guess David Putty for him. I'm going to pose the same question to you. Well, as someone who grew up with a somewhat unusual name, I relate to Dolores, Jerry's girlfriend. <laughs> Enough said about that one. Uh, I am going to relate to Uncle Leo. I'm a little too loud sometimes, and I will talk your ear off about my kids every chance I can get. Connor, we've gone pretty deep on Seinfeld this week, and you kicked us off with The Big Lebowski. Two pretty old references. I guess we're two pretty old guys. Fair enough. That's going to do it for us today. See you next week.